Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus you want the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Faraz over here with Zach. This is the mailbag episode. You guys have questions. We have answers. We're hitting, we're hitting on B. John Robinson. Whether we're going zero RB this year or not. Dynasty startup questions, remaining free agent running back questions, late round quarterbacks, and much more. Before we move on, please subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you're listening right now. It takes just a second. Uh, if you can rate and review the podcast, that would be even better. You highly know? appreciated. If, <laughs> highly appreciated. If you thought we could, you know, if we brought some value to you and you and you want to, you know, rate and review, that would be awesome. That would mean the world to us. Uh, a couple pieces of news. Uh, Tyreek Hill being investigated for an assault and battery stemming from an alleged incident at a Miami Beach marina. Apparently, he hit this dude in the back of the head during an argument, allegedly. Who knows what happened? Um, Not me. I, I don't think this is necessarily <laughs> something to be worried about, worried about from a fantasy perspective. Like It doesn't look like he beat a dude up or anything like that. Um, like If you just smacked a guy, like this probably won't be fantasy relevant news um apparently the dude decided to um press charges and that's whatever his prerogative um you know i I think if someone in your dynasty league was thinking about selling tyreek hill since he's getting a little older and they're not sure when he's gonna retire because he did say he's gonna retire by 30 i think i'm not mistaken he said at the end of his contract i think he said which is 2025 he might be 30 time so, yeah. you, you know, you might want to buy if you have a win-now dynasty roster. Um, yeah, that's all yeah. I have to say about that. There's nothing else to say, to be honest with you. Not really. No. Um, the Rams signed Sonny Michel. He's back. Uh, this should not make an impact on K-Makers at this point of his career. Um, right. we, we have an idea of who the Giants' top three wide receivers are right now, and that's Isaiah Hodgins, Paris Campbell, and Darius Slayton. Uh, Jordan Renan from ESPN seemed to clarify that. Uh, that's what it seems like at the moment. 
Uh, I figured it's worth me- worth mentioning since it seems like a hodgepodge right now. You might be wondering who those guys are. Uh, you obviously still have Stoney Shepard there, Wandel Robinson on the outside looking in. You know, we'll see if that changes. Um, you know, remember they also have Jamison Crowder. Okay, uh, right. but the Athletics Dan Duggan uh, has Crowder off the fifty-three man roster. That's his prediction when it comes time to shave things down. So that's kind of interesting. And then obviously mm-hmm. we talked already about Paris Campbell potentially standing out of this group. So. A lot of wide receivers, you know, the, this this might be one of those things where we just kind of don't know who those guys are. So this might provide just a little bit of clarity or at least provide the road to clarity. <laughs> right. You did not just refer to the Giants receiving core as a hodgepodge with Isaiah Hodgins at the top. Of the oh, my truck. God. How did I not connect those <laughs> the two? Hodgepodge. Dude, the hodgepodge led by Isaiah H- Hodgins. Yes. That group should be named now after him because, you know, it's just funny. You listed him first. You call it a hodgepodge. That's it's just too perfect. But yeah, Paris Campbell, like me, I was actually out on him. I didn't think that he was going to have any type of, you know, like impact. I thought he would be one of those guys that are just like fringe roster guys. But it looks like he's making some noise. So good for him. <laughs> you know, good um, for I don't him. Think- I don't think him. any is of these guys. Your fantasy... Zach, is he going to be on any of your fantasy rosters this season? I'm not saying going to draft them, but is he going to be? Is there a good chance that he'll be on any one of your rosters this season? I may or may not have taken <laughs> him in a dynasty startup. Very Ooh. late. Very late. Obviously. But listen, this guy, Daniel Jones, hasn't supported a top 36 wide receiver in his career. Um, I don't think per- Paris Campbell, obviously, he's talented, but I don't think he's at a level where he's going to break that curse um, this season. They have Darren Waller there to do that, and he's not even a receiver. He's a tight end. <laughs> right. All right, let's move on to some questions. Okay. Steven underscore night 48. How high? And by the way, Fantasy Tosco also had a similar question. So shout out to you guys. Yeah. How high would you take Bijan Robinson in redraft? Yeah. Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. You want to start? Let's hear it. All right. Let's hear it, bro. I'm going to say third overall, and Don't that might be that high. Man. I'm going to go with third overall behind CMC and Justin Jefferson, and that's because that's the type of ceiling he has in his rookie year. I mean, it's not like he was drafted to a team that's going to have a bad offense. The Falcons' offensive line was actually just ranked seventh best in the NFL by PFF, fourth best in the NFL by Rotowire, and we know that the Falcons are going to continue to run the ball at one of the highest rates in the NFL. Arthur Smith is still there, of course. And he called the most run plays of any team in the NFL last year. And even if that number comes down a little bit, it's not going to be a problem. Even if Desmond Ritter improves as the season goes on, it's not going to be a problem. They're still going to be in the top 10 of run plays. I think that's a safe bet. And it's basically a lock that they'll be inside the top 10 regardless of what happens. So then the question becomes, does Tyler Algier worry me at all? You know, as far as cutting to B. John's workload. Because we're going to take a guy, like I said, if I'm taking him at highest third overall in a draft, you know, are we going to have to worry about a guy behind him? For me, the answer is no, because the Falcons averaged just under 33 run plays a game last year. So that would leave, in my mind, assuming that they run close to that 30 run plays a game, that would leave Bijan to hover around 20 attempts per game, which is plenty enough with his talent to finish as an RB1 overall, which I think is his ceiling you know, this season. And Algier can sit at eight, seven carries, and they can mix in whoever they want behind him. At the end of the day, Bijan's going to have the majority of those carries. I think he's going to be sitting right around 20 carries regardless of whether Tyler Algier is getting a little bit of work, 
Cordero Patterson still mixes in. We'll see how it goes. But I know B. John Robinson, they drafted him high. They have plans to use him in this offense. Robinson's also a good pass catcher, and even if he only sees two or three targets a game, he can be efficient enough with that to make that the icing on the cake. So what's not really to like about Bijan? I'm surprised he's still going after Austin Eckler because there's a lot more question marks in my mind with Eckler, especially with a new offensive coordinator um, and scheme kind of being implemented here. And, you know, all the drama surrounding his contract situation, obviously that's been resolved. But I'm willing to take Bijan third, third overall, and his price in that late first round, that's fantastic to me. Yeah, I, I don't blame you for that. Third overall, I can see it. Um, I think he definitely deserves to be a first-round pick. Now, oh, yeah. the question is how high of a first-round pick, right? Like, So let me explain why he's a first-round pick. Number one, his skill set and how he's going to be deployed. He can be a bell cow. He has the capability. He can be a – like, not many running backs come into the NFL with that capability right yeah. he's a top one percent type of runner uh he's a high level pass catcher and the word out of falcons otas in minicamp is that they're using him all over the field that's what you want to hear yeah number two his draft capital he was taken with the eighth overall pick when a running back is taken that high and is capable of an every down workload with a good offensive line in a run first system and he'll be using the receiving game he'll be the goal line back as well that's a high-end RB1 from the get. Yeah, The only running backs that can be put in his category this season before the season starts is Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler. I don't know if we're going to throw in Tony Pollard there, although we're not sure say, if he's going to be say. as... <laughs> yeah, because like, you know, is he going to be as involved as, the, as these other guys in the receiving game? He was definitely efficient last year. That's still a bit TBD. Um, yeah. But these are the guys with that skill set, right? Jonathan Taylor, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry. Those guys won't be catching nearly as many passes as the guys I just mentioned. In PPR leagues, a target is worth almost three times as much as a carry. And if you're projected for 65 catches, which is what I'm projecting Bijan to get in year one, in addition to a big workload on the ground, you're an RB1. You're probably a high-end RB1, right? And the talent on top of that almost ensures that. Now, for me, the overall players that I'm taking over him, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, and maybe Saquon Barkley. And I think that's it. So that makes him a mid-first-round pick for me, around maybe the seven, seven spot. I'm fine taking Bijan right there. All right. I hear. It makes sense. He should definitely be going in the first round. That's not even a question. But no. at, le at least for me. But I don't think, like, you know, I said third. I don't think that's too way out there either. I no. mean, for what he could do. I don't do. think so. Because the last time we saw a prospect like him, it was Saquon Barkley. And Saquon Barkley finished RB1 overall his rookie year. So, Zeke, I'm, Saquon. I think, yep. They have very similar happens. ceilings, I think, in their rookie year. Just because 100%. they're going to be as fresh as they're going to be in their career. So... Cade underscore Forsyth asks, at the 12th spot in PPR, single quarterback, should I rather go zero RB or load up on them early? I'm fine doubling up on wide receiver at the 1-2 turn because when you're up at the 3-4 turn, Jameer Gibbs could be on the board, Joe Mixon could be on the board, but 
if your league ends up taking running backs early, which is what happens in a lot of leagues, especially home leagues, and you know those guys I mentioned might not be there. That means like Aaron Jones, J.K. Dobbins, Alexander Madison, those are the running backs that might be at that spot, in which case might not be as appealing, right? Um, but if you go running back wide receiver at the one-two turn, which is very possible, you can potentially have someone like CD there or Amon Ra or AJ Brown can potentially fall for whatever reason. You can grab Garrett Wilson on the way around in the second round. And you can combine these guys with Saquon, Pollard, Derrick Henry. And I kind of like that strategy a little bit more, one wide receiver, one running back, you know, going a little bit balanced there because then I'm not pigeonholed into grabbing a specific position at the 3-4 turn. Like what if running backs go off the board so quickly, right, that now I'm in a pickle at that spot, right? So that's why I like to go balanced at the 1-2 turn. I think it's super doable. Um, There aren't too many scenarios where I'm upset if I do that. I will say, though, that I won't reach on a running back, you know, if there was like eight running backs taken the first round in your league, right? Right. So like at that point, I might be okay going wide receiver, wide receiver, or hope that, you know, Kelsey falls to me at the turn, in which case he's an awesome pick at that spot as well. Yeah. So. Me, what about you? I just want to jump out and say that I love picking at the 12 spot or late in the first round because Me too. then you can let the board fall to you. You know, you're not Agreed. stuck. Oh, you might reach on a player like, oh, there's no turnaround being like, man, he would have lasted till whenever. You know, like you can sit and let the board fall to you. I love picking at 12 spots. So the chances are that somebody that you like will fall to at the 12 spot. Exactly. The way that the boards have been shaken out this year. Yeah, absolutely. And there's so much like, the difference between the one and the twelve, obviously, there's a difference because you're gonna be able to get like CMC in the first at first overall. But in the twelfth, at the twelfth pick, like there's so many different options, you're not gonna be stuck. So you're gonna be happy with whoever you take. That's the way I look at it. I, I love picking the twelfth spot. But my advice, picking from the twelfth spot, would be to sit tight and hope that a good running back falls to you, Bijan, Saquon, one of those guys. And then you can turn around and grab like CD Lamb, like you mentioned, a wide receiver, Garrett Wilson, even a Nick Chubb if you want. If you want to go RB heavy, that's fine. I don't really prefer that. I like to go balanced, like you said, too. But um, keep in mind that being able to grab two running backs like that wouldn't really make a whole lot of sense in home leagues because they tend to go a little bit faster. But um, if none of those running backs that I mentioned, you know, B. John Saquon, make it to you, then I would just punt on running back. And just go wide receiver heavy because there's so much talent at the back of the first round. You can't really go wrong taking any of them. But I would pump the brakes if there's one receiver I wouldn't really take at the one-two turn right now. It's Devontae Adams. I know he's Devontae Adams and he did very well with Derek Carr, but I don't really trust Jimmy G as much as I trust Derek Carr. And that's saying a lot. So <laughs> that's just the way I look at it. But um I'm on Ron I'm on Ron St. Brown, C Lamb. If you go them back to back, 12 and 13. That sounds like an awesome combination. You know, you got high-level security at the position, top three upside with both of them. Um, like I said, Nick Chubb's the only running back I would consider outside of the top three RBs, um, and that's only if you get monumentally unlucky and, you know, there's a run of wide receivers that leaves you having to take a running back. But um, you're not going to go wrong with picks 12 and 13. But I've found historically that zero RB, for me, works the best if your pick falls late, and that's kind of the approach I like to take in most of my drafts. Now, this next person who asked the question, I want to make sure that I get his name right because maybe there's a few different 
there's a few different ways that this can go, but I think it's Devante Boke. I think that's the name. I, I'm I'm sorry if I'm butchering butchering this, but this I, I'm I'm pretty sure that's what it is. This um, is one of my favorite I hope parts. So. Just hearing you try and pronounce these names. I mean, <laughs> you can turn it around on me and have me try to pronounce it, but it, it's great. I love. Sorry, man. Uh, I'm sorry. It, it's either Devin Tenboke or Devante Enboke. I I I'm when, just not sh- sure. At um, first glance, this guy's username. I thought it was like Devonte Booker. I was like, "Whoa, Devonte <laughs> Booker is an avid him? listener of the yeah, Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast." So. <laughs> um, right. All right. He asked, "Is Kyler Murray worth a late round stash, especially if we don't take a flyer on a quarterback early?" I personally don't think he is. I don't think they rush him back on the field. The Cardinals have a lot invested in him, and they don't have a playoff caliber roster. Like, no. they're going to take it easy with him. So, like, I'd expect him to be back, like, week seven, week eight, maybe even later. And if the Cardinals have, like, one win at that point, which is very possible, like, what's the point of even bringing him back in week eight? Like, why risk anything with him at that point with the contract that he has, right? right. So, you know, let's say you draft him. Right, he's on your bench, taking up a roster roster spot this entire time. Even if you have an IR spot that you could have used on other injured players, right? If they're yeah. out a week, remember, you know how useful that is. Like, if you have a player that's out, right, you throw him in your IR, and then you could pick up another player off of waivers. Like, that is such a useful tool to have at your disposal during the season, right? Yeah. Like, it just because, like, what if that player who you picked up goes off that week, and now? Or you picked up a handcuff and that starting running back got hurt. And now you have him on your roster. Then you can make a decision later on. You have a little bit of time. So, you know, using that spot for Kyler Murray doesn't really seem like a, a big, like a real good way to use that spot. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, but not only that, man, like no DeAndre Hopkins, right? Yeah. He's he's gone. He Also, like Murray probably won't be running around the way he normally does. Right, that rushing upside might take a little bit of a hit. He might be mm-hmm. rusty, and he might not even be able to give you that positional advantage. There's only a couple quarterbacks that give you a positional advantage, right? Like it's just not worth it, right? He's not Patrick Mahomes, right? It's no. not Jalen Hurts. This is not Lamar Jackson. So the cost of him sitting on your bench for that long just isn't worth it for me. No. And what are your thoughts? I agree. I agree. Like you hit like every single note that I had. For Kyler Murray, and you know we that's we what think I try to similarly. Do. That's what I try to it's do. It's great. Like. It's great. But you know, I agree. The same thing. Everything that you said. Why rush him back? This team probably isn't going to have a whole lot of wins when he does come back. I think he's going to start the season on IR, so he's going to be missing at least what is it, four games, six games, mm-hmm. something like that. I think that's going to be the case. And then even then, like if he gets off IR, your team's a zero-one two-win team. I don't think the Cardinals view this season as a competing season. I think this is just kind of like one of those bridge years between, you know, the beginning of a rebuild and coming back from that rebuild. So why would they rush him out on the field? Do you think the Cardinals want the number one pick next year? I think they do. Do you think so? (laughs) Then they're going to draft Caleb Williams. They're going (laughs) to, I think they're going to do to Tyler Murray what they did to Josh Rosen. At least have the flexibility, right? To get yeah. a boatload of picks for if you if you want to you get to decide if Kyler Murray is going to be your guy or if, if it's going to be Caleb Williams at least you have the well, decision to make and if you decide to go with Kyler at least you get a you know a, a haul 
in return for that number one pick because you need the picks given the roster. If you want to talk about, that would be ideal for the Cardinals, you know, from a non-fantasy perspective. But looking at Kyler Murray, um, I get it. So first of all, I just want to clarify. I don't really want to take a flyer on Kyler Murray either, but I completely understand why there's a temptation to do that because his QB 22 price is at the 14-15 turn. And that's really palatable. You're like, how can I go wrong? But then you think about, like you mentioned, the situation he's stepping back into. No DeAndre Hopkins. The offensive line is going to be bad, very bad. Um, besides Paris Johnson, who I was a big fan of coming out of college. Um, that's good for him. But one guy isn't an entire offensive line. So how good is this offense going to be? I mean, Marquise Brown, obviously there's a connection there. They both, him and Kyler Murray both went to Oklahoma. There's a track record there. They've done good things together. But it can't all just settle on Kyler Murray. And like you said, coming back from an ACL injury, a quarterback that has relied historically on his rushing ability to produce now might not be doing as much running. There's just way more working against him this season than there is in favor. And at, at that point, like you said, the fact that he's going to be taking up a roster spot, I, I don't think I'm going to take a flyer on I'm going to take a flyer on him either. But also another thing I thought was funny, um, the question says, especially if we don't take a flyer on a quarterback early, on a quarterback early, I would never take a flyer on a quarterback early. <laughs> you know, I'm not taking flyers early in the draft. I just thought that was funny when I read that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. Um, all right, I'm going to pose this question to you first. R. Snyder, 1194, asks, Dynasty startup, Brees Hall, Jalen Waddell, or Garrett Wilson? Who you got? I think this one's very easy. And I just want to ask just a simple question, yes or no, before I go into what I'm going to say. Do you think it's easy? I do not. You do not. Okay. Well, hopefully I can make you think that it's easy with what I'm <laughs> But for me, it, it, it's Garrett Wilson. I mean, I think this one is head and shoulders obvious who's going to be my pick. Jalen Waddle, he was super inconsistent last year, and that doesn't figure to change anytime soon. He had three top five finishes last year. Awesome. Cool. But he counterbalanced that with 10, I repeat, 10, double digit, finishes outside the top 24, which is pretty bad. So he was super inconsistent. Some weeks he'd be winning you games. Other weeks he'd be doing hardly anything. That level of insecurity pulls him off my radar completely. And then you turn to the two Jets players now. It's Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. It is a little bit closer, but I still think it's pretty easy. It depends on what you need on your team. My first question anytime people ask, like, choose between these players is, like, what does your roster look like right now? We don't have that context, though, so I'm just going to go with the player that I think would be best joining any team, you know, regardless of who's already on that team, is Garrett Wilson. Um, He is an immediate wide receiver one upgrade to any team that he joins. 22 missed tackles for Garrett Wilson. Missed tackles force for Garrett Wilson. Tells you that he's going to be able to get it done regardless of who's at QB. And that's something he proved last year with Flacco White and Zach Wilson platooning the quarterback position in New York. And then you also look at Aaron Rodgers coming in from Green Bay. That's going to be huge for him. You know, much better upgrade at quarterback than any of the guys that he's played with yet in his short career. And the uncertainty around Brees Hall's availability today just makes me go with Wilson. You know, obviously Brees Hall can be a very good running back, but today with the impact that Garrett Wilson can have now and later versus Brees Hall, running backs have a shorter shelf life and he's coming off an ACL. We don't know how he's going to come back off of that. I I think Garrett Wilson's the easy pick for me. I hear that. I hear that. Now, just off the bat, I have Jalen Waddle one spot ahead of Garrett Wilson in my dynasty rankings. And here's why. 104 receptions his rookie season, 
I think he edges out Garrett Wilson in terms of who had a better rookie year. But it's obviously very close, right? They both yeah. had, you know, very close to a 25% target share of the rookie year, which is awesome, right? Waddle had two great seasons on the books, right? He played every game his first two years. He hit 1,300 yards receiving his second year, and the trajectory is still pointing up for him. He's still a very young player. Um, the tra- trajectory is obviously pointing up for Garrett Wilson, too, and Rodgers coming in. So it, it's a little bit of a toss-up for me. They're, they're back-to-back in my rankings, right? Um, Wilson, though, two years younger, that's also a factor, right? I do think that Garrett Wilson does, I will admit, that he has the higher overall ceiling. He can be, like, legit, like, alpha wide receiver one, you know, up there with, like, the best wide receivers in the game at some point. I do think he has that 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 ability. Um so if that's what you're going for, you're going for that upside, I think w- go Wilson over uh, – I would say go wow. Wilson over Jalen Waddle. okay? Um, I always rather take a young, established wide receiver who has a chance of being a superstar than a running back, even if that running back is a ridiculous talent like Brees Hall. Like running back windows are very short. Wide receiver windows are long. I like mm-hmm. buying Brees and Dynasty right now because of his depressed price. Um, but if all of them are on the board with the same pick right now, this offseason, I'm taking one of these wide receivers. Like, what if this post-ACL year is a lost year for Brees, right? He can come back strong in 2024. I still expect him to. He'll still be 23 years old. But the hope is that, you know, you drafted, and we're talking startup here, right? But the hope is that yeah. you drafted a solid enough team to compete in this window if you ended up taking Brees Hall early, right? So I do think young star wide receivers are the cornerstone, are the cornerstones of any dynasty roster. So that's who I'm going with. I'm going with one of the two wide receivers. Brees Hall comes third. All right. So you're so this let's just clarify. You go with Waddle here because he's higher in your rankings, or you go Garrett. That's a Wilson. good question. That's a good question. Let, let's answer that one. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, I I think if I you know based on what I just said, I'm going Jalen Waddle. Yeah, but it's very close. The upside it, pick though, with a little bit of a, I would say, not as sure of a thing. I would say is is Garrett Wilson would be the upside play, and then Jalen Waddle is more of a. Sure thing, he did it. He did it twice in his career at this point. Show that he could be a high volume receiver, but also be a big play receiver as well. What if at some point he puts it all together? 104 receptions in his rookie year, you know, 1300 yards. His second year, let's put it together. Let's see if he can get even if he can give you a 110 yard, a uh, 110 reception, you know, 1500 yard season. I can right. see that happening. He has well. the upside. I remember I, I when I was doing a, we did a post a while ago about Jalen Waddle. I will give you that he has upside because if you remember, he caught seventy five passes last year, which is pretty low, but forty one of them went for twenty yards. So that's yeah. over half. You know, of his one, cat. one thing about Jalen Waddle's uh, year last year too is that the quarterback issues with with Tua on and off the field heavily, heavily kind of messed up Jalen Waddle's year. Even though his final numbers are great. But you mentioned the consistency, and I think a big reason for that uh, was Tua being on and off the field. You know, I, yeah. I, I really do. When Tua was on the field, That's I fair. think he was great. You know? Yep. Um, something to keep in mind. Moving on to the next question. Justin underscore D Baker asks, 
how do you view dynasty two to three year window do i look long term like three plus years i think this is a good question you know i think yeah i think three year window is the sweet spot i think um like for me i think the three-year window is a good window to look at i don't think it should take longer than that to rebuild a team if you're in rebuild mode right you should mm-hmm. have enough draft capital you should have enough players to be able to move around and create a contender by that third year. Um, and a lot of it has to do with running back windows, right? I think a three-year window for a running back means you have a lot of confidence in that running back. Like, how many running backs right now do we really have confidence in over the next three years to provide a high-end production, right? And are not considered somewhat replaceable given their roles and given their talent. Right. So much can change, right? I'm looking at B. John Robinson – I'm looking at Brees Hall. Who else? Who else can you confidently say you're good for the next three years? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you name There's, one? Maybe Ramondre. I don't know. He's he's still that's pretty super young, shaky. That's super it, it, shaky. It's shaky. It's shaky enough. But mm, you're right. I mean, we could play that game where it's like, who are we going to trust? Super, like, it's all it's, speculation. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, but like you know, Bijan, Brees, like they they seem like cornerstones, right? Of, of a of you know and they're young obviously and you know that's why i like to build around the running back everywhere else and then buy viable running backs when i'm in my window to compete for a championship even if that running back is only guaranteed a good season for like one year maybe two years right but no i wouldn't be looking you know more than three plus years other than knowing that young wide receivers will usually outlast that and will be that bedrock for you as you go through a rebuild. So right. I like to build everywhere at wide receiver, get my elite tight end, and then shoot for that running back. Um, that will help me get me over the top, right? That's why if I had the one-on-one in rookie drafts this year, non-super flex, if I wasn't competing this year or next, if I wasn't close, if, I, if I'm in a rebuild, I would have traded that pick away and got a haul instead of drafting Bijan. Or yeah. drafted Bijan with, you know, kind of knowing that I'm probably going to try to move him midseason to a contender who I know is going to probably win the championship anyway, but also make sure that uh, I get a serious haul in return. Some young wide receivers that will help me make my rebuild a lot faster. And maybe I can even compete next year and start trading some of those picks for a running back for next season to help me get over the top. Right. Yeah. No. That makes total sense. I agree with you. I look at it pretty much the same way. Now, I haven't been playing Dynasty, I don't think, as long as you have. But I will say, you know, I think wide receivers are the premium, like you said. That's a solid foundation that you can build your team on. And the running backs, it's just their window is so bad. The fact that we just did that little, if you want to call it an exercise, of trying to decide what running backs are going to be producing three years from now. Like, the fact that we have really no idea outside maybe two, you know, tells you all you need to know about the longevity of, of running back. So I'm not a huge fan of, you know, drafting non-established running backs, but at the same time, I don't want to overpay for one that, it, especially it depends if it's a dynasty startup or whatever. I don't want to overpay for a running back when there's a bunch of receivers on the board. Like you said, there are receivers that have twice as long, you know, a fantasy window as running backs and they provide pretty much the exact same production across all of those years where running backs can be, you know, in out that kind of thing. It tends to fluctuate a little bit more with running backs than it does receivers. So I look at it that way too. 
two to three year window, I think makes sense. I you don't want to play like super, super long term because then you might just be taking guys, you know, going for guys. If you just shoot for what people can be four or five years from now, three years from now, like you're never going to be winning. You know, you might earn a bunch of uh, draft capital in the process, but you're just not ever going to compete to a certain point. That's that's the way I view it. Yeah, no, I hear that, man. I hear that. Uh, next question from J underscore Kai 89. So much depth this year. Is there a running? Is this a running back heavy season or a wide receiver heavy season? Now, you know, I'm just looking at the top of these drafts. Like in a normal draft, we have about five running backs taken in the first round, you know, five to six wide receivers taken in the first round, and Travis Kelsey. So it's like kind yeah. of even there. Um, and then the second round, also relatively even. But like, how should we approach this question, Zach? Like, like, should this question be like, I think, should we kind of talk about whether we should be drafting running backs early, wide receivers early? Like, how, how, how did you, how were how you looking at this question? I don't know. So when I look at this question, and that's the beauty of these questions. They come with no context. <laughs> so we get to have these discussions right here, right, you know, on the podcast. But when they ask, is it a RB heavy or wide receiver heavy season? I look at it just like down the board. Like right. I'm comparing the value of a player going like, so if you look at underdogs list of ADPs, a running back and wide receiver going at very similar ADP, which one is worth more at that pick. So that's the way I kind of looked at it. So if you look at, let's see, if I look at, let's see, Cortland Sutton is wide receiver 48, Rashad Bateman, wide receiver 45, Elijah Moore, wide receiver 44. Let's pull that up. Compare those players at wide receiver to the running backs going in that same range. So if I look at Rashad Bateman at wide receiver 45 compared to James Conner, who's going a pick ahead of him at RB 28, that's the way I kind of look, look at it. So is the value comparable when you go down the board and you see you know, where they're going and the value that they're going to return? I would say that between Rashad Bateman and James Conner, I would probably go with James Conner. So I think the earlier you are in your draft, you know, you're going to be able to take RBs, running backs, you know, but as you get later into the draft, Juju Smith-Schuster range, and it, that's pretty much the fall off right there, it looks like. So right around the eighth round, ninth round is where the fall off is. So like I just mentioned, Rashad Bateman at wide receiver 45, James Conner at um, RB 28. They're within one pick of each other, 87 and 88th overall. James Conner would be my pick. But then you go just a little bit further down the list, Juju Smith-Schuster, wide receiver 50, 105th overall, compared to A.J. Dillon, who's going at 102nd overall, who's your RB33, I would go wide receiver there. So I think that there's more talent going down the board. As you get further from the early rounds, wide receiver choices get better. Nico Collins is a guy that you know we're talking about having some potential, even though he's on a bad offense, and we'll see how they do, obviously. And he has a uh, minimal track record to go with his name, but we know that he can produce. Um, I think the further you stray from the early rounds, it's going to become more wide receiver heavy. But the closer you are to the early rounds, it's going to be RB heavy. The point is, there's talent all the way across the board. But if I had to pick one, I think I would go wide receiver heavy because there's more upside with those picks, especially in later rounds compared to late round running backs. That's just my opinion. Does, like, yeah, I hear does that, that. makes sense? Yeah, no, it does make sense. I think that's really good context. I will use this opportunity to talk about running back depth and wide receiver depth. Like, if you play in a format where you're starting two running backs and two wide receivers, 
along with the flex. I think running backs are much more valuable than wide receivers in that format because you're starting two each and good running backs are way more scarce. If you're starting two running backs and three wide receivers and a flex, which is my preferred option, then the gap closes a little bit. Why? Because if you have three awesome wide receivers and the other team only has one awesome wide receiver and two middling wide receivers, you actually have a real positional advantage now, which isn't that easy to do with wide receivers because when you have two wide rec- when you're only starting two wide receivers, a lot of wide receivers are available uh, on waivers, right? Um, yeah. And you have a chance of starting four wide receivers every week in this format. So I wouldn't necessarily be going out of my way to reach on running backs or anything like that. And it's easier to stack up on wide receivers, you know, if they are the better value in my draft, especially in PPR or half PPR. Yeah. Now, Nando Vision is asking Travis Kelsey or Saquon Barkley. Who you got? This one is kind of like comparing apples to oranges <laughs> you know what i mean because this is a tight end and a running back so i'm assuming this is you know in the first round lack of context is a bitch but i think i'm gonna go with kelsey here because saquon we know he's a top i think five six fancy running back that's cool but kelsey's a top one fancy tight end he's the best tight end in fantasy football still there's nobody better saquon's situation is still kind of murky you know regarding a pot- potential holdout i'm not gonna pay too much attention to that i do think he's gonna play because holdouts generally don't work in favor of any running back. I mean, just look at Le'Veon Bell's situation. But um, Kelsey's my pick today. You know what you're getting with him. You don't have to worry about playing tight end musical chairs later in the draft, trying to decide who you want to take, going after late-round tight ends. Um, but if I had to pick one to draft at their current ADP, you know, Kelsey's being the tight end one in the middle of the first round, Saquon being the RB6 in the middle of the second round, it's Kelsey. As long as Mahomes throwing the ball, Kelsey's going to be that guy. It's not going to change. Kadarius Tony is not going to scare me. And I'm not thinking that he's going to be taking 100 targets from the target pie. Doesn't matter. Kelsey's the guy. I'm going with Kelsey. I think one thing to add, I think that's great. One thing to add also is that if you're in the middle of the first round, I'd rather grab Kelsey, assuming that's where you're picking from because he has a higher ADP and it leaves that small door open for Saquon to fall to fall to you in the second round. Like, there's no way that Kelsey falls to you in the middle of the second. Right. But there is a very small right there, chance yeah. that Saquon falls to you in the second, and you can have both. You um, can manipulate but, the board. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Maybe maybe Saquon isn't preferred in your home league for whatever reason, because everyone's Cowboys fans. I don't know. Um, you know, so there, <laughs> there are reasons that could happen. Okay. But Kelsey isn't falling to the middle of the second round. Right. Okay. All right, um, let's move on to the next question here. Um, what's the ideal? This is from Harp Harp 23. What's your ideal round to take a quarterback? Mine is 10 through 12, but is there some value that I am not seeing? Now, I'm fine grabbing Jalen Hurts as early as the 3-4 turn, but in a lot of leagues, he'll be off the board uh, a lot earlier than that. So, there's a good chance that I'm not going to be able to grab him in most leagues. Uh, there's no other early round quarterback I'm grabbing personally. I think the positional value isn't high enough. Hurts uh, does have that value, especially on a weekly basis. Um, Justin Fields, probably the next quarterback I'm willing to take at the five, six turn or so. I think that's, you know, I think when there's a chance of a quarterback having the type of upside, you know, of being the overall quarterback one with a positional advantage, I like to take that opportunity. I think he has that upside as a QB six off the board. 
again, in a lot of leagues, I won't be able to grab him because he'll be taken before that. We're talking 12-team leagues here. From there, I think Trevor Lawrence is intriguing. Deshaun Watson is intriguing. Very intriguing, actually. Anthony yeah. Richardson, intriguing as well, uh, because they can all severely outperform their ADP. Um, you know, those guys are in like the sixth to ninth round range. Uh, if you want to pick a quarterback after the 10th round, I think Daniel Jones, Geno Smith, Russell Wilson are the guys that I'm shooting for because they all have pretty good upside, um, especially Daniel Jones and Russell Wilson. I think Geno Smith is more of a, a safety pick at that spot. Curious right. to see, curious to hear how you have things shaken out. I like round seven, eight, nine. I, I know that 10, 10, 12 is a little late for me, you know, in terms of the rounds that I'm taking my quarterback. But seven, eight, nine, I kind of like that because these is just, I'm going to go over some guys that are going in that range. We have Deshaun Watson. He's going at the seven, eight turn. We know he's intriguing. Apparently, he's a different player. You know, surprise, surprise. He looks like a different player in camp. Good news for him. Tua's going at the eight, nine turn. Anthony Richardson's going at early nine. Dak Prescott's going in the mid-ninth. Kirk Cousins, he's at the 9-10 turn. He doesn't really, I guess he wouldn't really count because he's at the 9-10 turn. That's not really a ninth round, but I'm going to throw him in there just because. These are all guys that are either, either proven fancy quarterbacks who have a very, very solid floor or guys that have very high upside. And it goes, I think, pretty much in order of their ADP. Deshaun Watson, Tua, and Anthony Richardson are your upside guys. Dak Prescott and Kirk Cousins are your floor guys who have the, that high level of security, you know, they're going to produce week in and week out because they're on good offenses. But Deshaun Watson was a top five quarterback in 2020. He can get back to that on a good offense in Cleveland. Um, he was a top five quarterback three years in a row for fantasy. Yeah. So yeah, he was ridiculous. He could easily get back there. And I didn't he throw for the most passing yards in the league in 2020? He led the league uh, in passing maybe? yards, I believe. Maybe. I think that's what maybe. it was. Yeah, I mean, maybe. you can fact check that maybe if you want, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Um, Tua was very good fantasy quarterback when he was healthy last year. 8.9 yards per attempt in 2022, most in the NFL. Wonder why that could be when you're throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Um, you got a track team around you. Anthony Richardson is an alien. Enough said. You know, the rushing upside could just be ridiculous. Dak Prescott has all kinds of weapons on offense that's loaded. And Kirk Cousins is one of the most consistent and underrated fantasy quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't care anyone, what anyone says. 38 attempts per game will do that for you. When you have guys that are thrown to name Justin Jefferson, now Jordan Addison, and TJ Hawkinson. So, very good offense there. I'll load up on premium skill positions for six or eight rounds before I take my quarterback. Be confident in the guy that I take. And if you really want to shoot late, if you know the question was, what's your ideal round to take a quarterback? And he said his favorites were 10 to 12. I know you like Russell Wilson, you know, Geno Smith and them. I like Jared Goff at QB 17. I think he's a really good pick, too. Obviously, might not have. A whole world of upside, but I think that his floor is also very high for his price. On an offense, it's going to be very good. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Well, a lot of the guys we mentioned, if you want to take a shot on, you know, predicting some of these player lines, go to underdogfantasy.com, check out all of the lines that they have for a shit ton of players. Okay. You can over on higher lowers on rushing yardage, receiving yardage, receiving touchdowns, rushing touchdowns. There's a lot of stuff that you see. You're going to be like, wait, what? I'm smashing the over on this one. So you combine a few of those, create an entry, and you can multiply your money up to 20 times what you put in. Right now, Underdog has given, up, given out a free 
match deposit up to 100%, up to $100. Okay. So if you put in a hundred bucks as your first deposit, you use the code upper hand, you will get a free $100 to use on, on underdog fantasy. Go check it out. Well, this is it for this episode. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back next week. Draft season is going to be in full swing, guys. All right. So we're going to get into all of the guys, sleepers and, you know, undervalued players, overvalued players who we're targeting, all that in the next few episodes. So we appreciate you guys. Again, if you could subscribe, if you can rate and review, that would mean the world to us. We appreciate you for Faraz and Zach. We'll see you next week. Later. <laughs>